out. It's cold as hell. I try to illuminate the world to no unveil. She got silver plated pearls and golden hair. Thank you for joining us on Round 3 Speak, the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Barnes. That intro music was brought to you by Solomon Black. Check out the sound at chrisblackohio.com. Thank you for being with us. It's our pilot debut episode. Round 3 is a podcast that has discussions about everything. Current events, conspiracy theories, cover-ups, mysterious disappearances and murder, ancient alien theory, politics, and numerous other topics. What sets us apart from the other podcasts of a similar nature, because I'm sure you're all thinking out there right now, oh, this has been done before. Ha, hold on a second. It's, it's different because we want you, the listeners, to be involved. Anonymously, fake name, real name, whatever you guys want to do, you can email us, tweet us, Facebook message us, questions, opinions, stories, and personal experience. We'll have a special part two episode to, describe, to discuss your contributions. We want to not only entertain you, but also learn from you and help, that, help those on the fence <clears throat> understand the issues of our time. With that said, on to the show. With me are a few true patriots and friends of mine for over 20 years, activist, blogger, and certified engineer, Patrick Henry. Also with us is a former intelligence an- analyst named Mr. Lawson. We'll get to them in a moment. Our producer is Mercy Warren, who will hopefully keep us on track here. Say hi, Mercy. Hi. As I said before, I'm, Sm- I'm Scott Barnes, an award-seeking author and wannabe journalist who has brought to you such works as The Alien Bible and Flat Earth Odyssey. My latest work, Beatles 1976, is currently available on Amazon.com. I have self-published articles on various conspiracy t- topics and cover-ups, but my main goal is to create discussions on the topics you won't find on mainstream, anywhere mainstream. This is not a conspiracy podcast in nature, but we do want to discuss how valid some of these claims are and not just accept what we are told blindly. My belief is if we don't learn from our past, we are doomed to repeat our mistakes in the future. The way things are now, bringing up conspiracy theories anywhere is instantly taboo. You're criticized as a nut for doing it and even daring to ask questions. This podcast is a safe place to ask those questions. Not all conspiracy theories are correct, obviously, but some of them certainly aren't wrong either. Any, and also, this podcast isn't doom and gloom. We're going to have we're gonna have some fun. <laughs> let's bring in the other two hosts and let them introduce ourselves. First up, let's bring in Mr. Lawson. Hello, my name is Mr. Lawson. As Mr. Barnes said earlier, I'm a former analyst in the intelligence field. And I have prior experience working for defense contractors and subcontractors. After that, I shifted to work in the business intelligence field, and I now work as a financial analyst. I grew up as a conservative Democrat. I grew up during the George W. Bush presidency, and after his great hits like the Iraq War, uh, 2008 financial crisis, aspects of the Patriot Act, it kind of turned me more liberal. As time has passed, I have become more conservative, and one of my biggest concerns now is the $27 trillion debt that I think eventually could bankrupt this country. I ask people to keep an open mind during this podcast and recognize that the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, Bernie Sanders and his mitten memes, or Donald Trump, they don't have all the answers. All right. Very good intro by, intro by Mr. Lawson. Um, I see uh, Mr. Patrick Henry here. Has he muted, muted himself? Yep. So my name is uh, Patrick Henry. It's an alias. Um, <laughs> the reason I chose Patrick Henry is because I believe liberty ought to be the end of your government, which is what he said. Uh, I am a licensed structural engineer in the state of Ohio. I've been practicing for the last decade. I'm considered a son of the American Revolution because one of my ancestors fought in the Revolutionary War. I run the websites republicoftruth.com. To give you an idea of where I'm coming from, my favorite modern politician is Ron Paul. Um, I am a conspiracy theorist because I think there is a conspiracy toward a world government and total control, and whatever it takes to get to that point, the, uh, the insiders will do. The situation is dire. We are being bombarded with new laws 
in regulations that are taking away our inalienable rights. Liberty is a precious jewel, according to Patrick Henry, and we should defend that above all else. Every single major event now is being used to justify less liberty and more government. I hope to expose that in this podcast. Thank you. Very well said by Mr. Lawson and also Mr. Henry. And now having said that and brought that up, um, like I said before, we have been friends for 20 years easily, um, but we don't always agree on everything. And you guys are going to see that as we get into this podcast. Uh, we're we're going to bust each other's chops. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to bring each other up and down at times. And uh, we're still trying to convince the three of us as a triangle uh, who's more right than the other. And uh, that'll actually, what Mr. Uh, Patrick Henry said there, will lead us into our first discussion. Um and that is something that could radically change this country, as we've seen, and that's the January 6th riots. Um, I mean, obviously a day that um, I don't think people are going to forget where they were when they started hearing these things, when the Capitol was stormed. Um, if you listen to Fox News or watch Fox News, you think it's it's no big deal. You know, it's being played up. If you watch late night talk show hosts, Bill Maher and Seth Meyers, any of these guys are going to tell you it's the end of the country, end of the world. And um, and. We're somewhere in between, I think, right here, but we're going to find out, and that'll lead us to our first uh, question here for Mr. Lawson that we'd like to open to him, who spent time in the community, in the, in the intelligence community. What do you think the intelligence community's response was, and leading up to the uh, the riots? Like, did, they didn't see it coming. They weren't better prepared. What happened? I think the intelligence community was prepared. Uh, according to multiple accounts, the intelligence was there supporting the fact that this riot or um, movement was going to be like any other scene um, previously. However, with intelligence, there's the analysis, and then there's the consumer of the intelligence. And in this case, I think the consumers of the intelligence either dropped the ball or maybe intentionally dropped the ball. And I'm sure Patrick Henry will have more to say on that. But you look at what happened, and... You know, the Capitol Police Force is a very small force in general, and they don't have the capacity by themselves to protect the Capitol. So the intelligence agencies reported to the head of the Capitol Police that there was going to be a major issue on that day. So my question is, who does he more <laughs> troops to protect uh, the Capitol from my own protesters? Or... So go to Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats and say, hey, I need more support. And maybe their thinking is it's going to look bad if we have the Capitol surrounded by troops when Trump's rally is coming towards the Capitol. Mr. Henry? Lawson, I think that's a very good point that you made. Um, I think coming from what the, the way you look at it from the intelligence side – um, I think sheds a new light on what I was thinking about that event. So um, clearly they were, they didn't have the security that they should have had. And on top of that, you had um, Trump in his speech in the morning saying, you know, go to the Capitol and I'm going to be there with you. And you had people like Ted Cruz um, saying, you know, I don't remember his exact words, but it was essentially go to the Capitol. Um, he didn't say be violent, but he certainly didn't say um, be peaceful. So what ended up happening was that I feel that the goal was to get this massive group of people full of all kinds of people, mostly good people. Too. Yeah. I don't think that it was nearly, not even a majority of them. I think it was a small minority who was actually um, violent. But um, I think that the goal was to get them to the Capitol. And once they were there, the Capitol Police let essentially let them in. There's videos of them opening the gates, yeah. letting them in. Yeah. And they get up there to the door. They open the door. I saw another video from a side door where they're letting people in. And even the people going in were saying, are they going to like burn this place down while we're in it? Like They were thinking, is this some kind of setup. And I want to finish my point in saying that I think that it was a setup. I think that both sides were in on this setup, including Trump. 
they set up the people to go there. They knew that it was they were basically lighting a powder keg, and they allowed them into the Capitol. Um, they wanted to get all the footage and, and the news reports about how horrible it was and what was happening was you know they, they wanted to compare it to the War of 1812 and the darkest day in American history and really really play their hand here because their goal is to never let a crisis go to waste. So they took this crisis and now they are already proposing domestic terrorism laws like a 9/11 like a Patriot Act, but domestically and. Uh, I think I think that was the the end goal there. I think that there's a goal for everything. What Lawson said from the intelligence side makes perfect sense when you think of it in the when you think of it like a setup. Yeah, and, and yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like Rudy Giuliani even said that morning, it's going to be like death by combat, or you know, like right out of Game of Thrones. Um, and you really want to be taking direction from Rudy Giuliani right now too. Um, yeah, I, I forgot to mention Giuliani. Yeah. yeah. But um, uh, yeah, and, and and you look at the response too, like what that, what happened with Black Lives Matter and stuff, and how they cracked down on them first, you know, and they were ready for that one. Um, I don't know if that's white privilege too, or if it is something just uh, you know more tailored to as a setup, like you said. Um, but that'll also lead us into our next thing here too. And uh, if I yeah. make before you go, that's awesome. Um, I'd like to ask Patrick Henry what he thinks Trump's angle in this whole thing is because my kind of view of it was that Trump sort of got played because once the initial decision was made by whoever it was to not reinforce the Capitol with extra police or soldiers, that once he made that speech, as you alluded to earlier, there was really no turning back because they didn't have the size to protect the Capitol from, as you mentioned, those few people that were really determined to get in there and cause problems. And I completely agree with what you said, with the fact that it was almost like they were inviting them in <laughs> to the Capitol at some point. So I get where, obviously it makes Trump look bad to me, like clearly it was a great day for the Democrats and you know people who were against Trump. Yep. But I kind want to hear your opinion on how you think it, benef it benefited Trump, because I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I don't think that it did benefit Trump, but I think that Trump is one is basically one of the insiders, almost like controlled opposition. I think that the quote-unquote insiders, um, that they know that there's huge chunks of this country that want to that are that are angry, that are pissed off, and they want to restore the Constitution. They want to they're they're upset about taxes. They're upset about inflation. So the insiders know they need to get that group and attach them on to somebody who can lead them off a cliff. And Trump was the perfect person to do that. He said a lot of good things for conservatives. He talked good. But when you look at the fruits of his actions, government grew under Trump. Um, Valor continues to be devour, devalued thanks to Trump. The wars continued despite what he said. He talked a great game about bringing the troops home, but... He didn't end any war. He didn't start a new war, but he didn't end any of the current um, ongoing wars. So um, go ahead, uh, Scott. Well, we're going to get into Trump into further detail here a little bit later in the podcast and uh, other politicians like him or the complete opposite of him. Um, but that's a nice segue to into the current president right now. We got Joe Biden. And while we have an intelligence, former intelligence analyst on here, we can pick his brain a little bit and um, first, uh, actually, can you tell us a little bit traditionally, Mr. Uh, Lawson, what the president's role is supposed to be with the Intelligence Committee? And then what do you think Biden's role is going to be with the Intelligence Committee going forward? Well, overall, I think the Intelligence Committee is pretty thrilled that Biden was elected. Um, they, in Trump, you had someone that really wasn't familiar with the U.S. intelligence apparatus before he became president. And I think was reluctant to listen to the intelligence he received and was overall very hostile towards him. And there are a bunch of reports that he eventually just stops like getting his presidential daily brief, which is a huge deal for the intelligence community, not only to the leaders of it, but also to like the rank and file, because you know, people in the rank and file get notices like, hey, like what you did made it to the presidential daily brief. And that's like a big deal for them. And that kind of really motivates them and, you know, boosts the morale in the agency. So the fact that Trump wasn't listening to the presidential daily brief 
I think was discouraging and the fact that he wasn't listening to the intelligence agencies and in some cases on camera just openly said things that were in contrast to what the intelligence agencies were saying um, I think was kind of demoralizing to them. So then comes in Biden, who is a career politician, was on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, um, obviously was vice president, um, was there during the bin Laden raid. Um, so he's very familiar with intelligence, and I think he's good at um, boost morale in the agencies overall. Um, how he chooses to use that, uh, I'm not 100% sure yet, but Biden seems like a person who is going to use the government more than Trump was. I think Trump didn't always believe in the intelligence and, like I mentioned earlier, was more hostile towards them. But I think Biden is going to be, you know, getting a presidential daily brief. Um, he seems like he's picking someone from the State Department to head the CIA. Um, so I think he's going to try and rebuild the morale in that apparatus. So, like, Biden's going to be a more traditional president in dealing with the intelligence community going forward. Yeah, definitely. And I think that if he's used to getting those that information, he's used to processing the information, he's going to have D.C. insiders who are also used to getting the information uh, compared to Trump, who had a lot of you know people in his immediate family as his close advisors and outsiders who really aren't familiar with government intelligence. Not to say that he had no one in there. But just the way that's going to be received is just going to be totally different under Biden. We can uh, start to segue this a little bit, but um, this actually is uh, brings me up. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here to Mr. Patrick Henry and uh, actually go in a different direction here is can we even trust the intelligence community? Is there anything, any aspect of the intelligence community that you think we can trust? Um are there good people in there, or uh, has, is it, uh, are the insiders controlling it more? I wouldn't trust a single thing coming from the intelligence <laughs> community. Um, I think that the CIA is the biggest, basically the biggest enemy to the American people. I think that they're working. I don't. Nobody knows what their money, where their money is going to. Anyone who speaks out against the CIA gets their life either threatened or, or taken away. Um, you know, John F. Kennedy, President John F. Kennedy said he wanted to smash the CIA into a million little pieces. And look what happened to him. Great point. I think that, and then you have a Rand Paul. He used to talk all the time, Rand Paul, the senator, about auditing the CIA. And he almost got shot at a softball game. And in addition to that, his neighbor beat the crap out of him to where his ribs broke and actually punctured his lung. And he still has pneumonia issues because of that. So my point is... I think that the CIA is a big problem. I think that whatever they're doing um, with their money is is. I think that they're fomenting some kind of unrest in the country, uh, a lot of division. They have so much money they can fund anybody, and you don't know who they're funding. Um, Mr. Lawson could be funded by the, by the CIA. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Um, but uh, the the point is, you you don't you don't know what they're doing. And there needs to be a lot more transparency from the CIA uh, on their budget and their actions. And I don't trust them at all until we get some kind of transparency. Well, this is going to lead me into a question for Mr. Lawson, actually, because um, in the creation of the CIA after the World War II, I think they're the OSS originally, um, they were designed to um, gather intelligence on everywhere but America, outside America. But it seems like they are focused a lot more inside of America than they should be. Um, and also, uh, is the NSA, like, what are, what are their dealings with the CIA? How, how has that grown over the years? If we can get a brief uh, opinion from you on that. Well, the issue with the intelligence agency is that they've been siloed. So, especially back in the day, there was, like, very little sharing of information. So the FBI would be doing its own thing, the CIA would be doing its own thing, um, and they weren't communicating. So now the way the world is kind of is kind of gone, and I think the agencies wanting to have more power, um, they have sort of started to cross over into U.S. citizens and citizens, um, and they're doing more monitoring of citizens. Definitely, I mean, you look at the events at the Capitol, and there's just so much information for these intelligence agencies and law enforcement to look at. 
in identifying these people that actually went in and stormed the Capitol. I mean, obviously the Capitol has cameras, there's satellite imagery, there's people taking, you know, videos on their phones. Um, you know, there's people on Facebook and, you know, other social media, just in blogs and forums talking about what they did and planning for it. So there's just a lot more, even just open source material that these agencies are going through. So I think it's, I think the NSA, as you mentioned earlier, is having a much bigger role because, again, there's just so much just open source information out there, and they're using technology to process it more quickly compared to you know back in the '60s when you had the beginnings of these agencies. Right. Okay. Um, actually, uh, another topic we're going to have for a later podcast, which uh, is going to delve a lot deeper into the CIA and uh, also specifically in the CIA's. Um, control of Hollywood, if you can believe it or not, and the uh, different things that they've done throughout the decades and influencing movies and TV shows and actors. Um, so we're going to want to stick around for that podcast also when we get to it. Um, we're going to go on to the next, the second half of uh, this podcast here and get a little bit deeper into President Trump, former President Trump, like we said before. And uh, I, I kind of want to start off a little bit um, with Patrick Henry's view on how do you think history is going to remember Donald Trump. Now, I say this because Bush, President Bush at the time, like everybody used the worst president. Everybody hated Bush. History is going to frown on Bush. But now, believe it or not, we're actually looking favorably, more favorably, you know, historically, the main uh, main opinion is Bush did a better job than a lot of people gave him credit for. Um, could be a bit of a brainwash, but um, do you think that's going to happen with Trump? And in your opinion, what do you think, uh, you know, to those Trump supporters that are out there, uh, what do you think? I think that the his so the history books aren't necessarily going to reflect what actually happened. Um, I think that they're going to overstate that Trump was this uh, tyrant and um, the, the worst president that there ever was. Um, I think that he was bad, but he was just as bad as all the rest of them. They're all bad. Um, he didn't start any new wars, which I do appreciate. Um, George Bush killed over a million Iraqis. Um, he was president during 9-11, which I have a major issue with, uh, which we'll talk about at a later time. Exactly. Um, but I think that the history books will overreact. And I think that the goal in overreacting is to demonize um, some of Trump's so some of Trump's base, which are not all bad people. Right. Um, you could say... Because I know in the beginning he got a lot of uh, anti-vaxxer support. You could say all anti-vaxxers now are supporting Trump. And so they're all uh, extremists. Or anyone who considers themselves a patriot is an extremist. Or anyone who talks about the Constitution or uh, you know, limiting governments or ending the wars, you know, they're an isolationist. Um, you could do all this by attaching it to Trump's name. And making it look like you know he was this this horrible tyrant. Now I do think Trump again, just to say I do think Trump was bad, but I think history books will overstate it in order to demonize all those good ideas that he didn't follow through on, but that he had. Yeah, I I, I agree with you in part. Um, I know that um, in the circle of. Uh, of people we know here, and I think generally for most Americans, we were all pretty shocked when he actually was elected. Um, we actually uh, um, have, might have another podcast later uh, talking about the 2016 election, and more specifically Hillary Clinton, because that's also another thing, too, where um, for a lot of us uh, with this mindset, especially a few of us like myself who believe in these conspiracy theories, uh, Hillary Clinton not just had didn't just have a, a, a closet of skeletons. She had a mansion. She has a mansion filled with skeletons. And that's something we need to dive into, too, especially with her connections to the Bilderberg Group, which is at this point um, undeniable. Um, but uh, again, too, like, do we see uh, Trump as was he a puppet? Like what was like it so baffles me sometimes, like the appeal that Trump had coming from his background, but do we think he was a puppet? I mean, I personally think he was more like, almost like a puppet with his strings cut off, like cut off and just thrown in there and like <laughs> just whatever happened was going to happen. Um, but it's still hard to exactly put a term on what Trump was. Um, I'll open up to either one of you if you want to build on that or 
call me an idiot or whatever. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can go, and then I'll also go on that one. Um, was Trump a puppet? I, I, you know, I, I fumbled with this question for four years. <laughs> um, I, in the end, I do think that, yeah, I think he's a puppet. I mean, if you look back in, like, I think it was 2002, um, and, and I could dig this up, but uh, he, he took a loan from George Soros, a huge loan from George Soros. And who is George Soros? George Soros is one of the insiders. He's almost to like a, a Rockefeller type level. We'll get into all that, but George Soros is, is a billionaire who funds a lot of bad things, basically. Um, and he's, he's unapologetically on the left, Soros. Trump went in, in debt to him. Trump used to talk about um, banning assault weapons. Um, he... People called him Planned Parenthood's favorite um, Republican. Um, I think that, and there's also, I totally forgot about this, but it needs to be mentioned. He has a ton of pictures with Jeffrey Epstein. And he used to yes. talk really highly of Jeffrey Epstein. And he's got pictures with the Clintons. It, yes. It's almost like they were best buds, and then all of a sudden they had to go out there and act like they were against each other. And it's, it's almost like you just don't know what to believe, but I think the fruits of Trump's presidency are, are not good. And I think um, now we might get a new domestic terrorism law out of it. And um, nothing, nothing good is coming. Nothing good is coming out of Trump's presidency. So I think he was controlled opposition, a puppet, pretending to be on the side of conservatives and small government. Lot to unpack there. I overall kind of agree with what Mr. Henry said, um, you can toss in Ted Turner, too, who's another, you know, I would say prominent liberal who was very close friends with Trump and really promoted him on CNN and really gave him a lot of publicity and in some ways, I think, is partially responsible for him being elected president. Ted Turner? Um, yeah, Ted Turner and him were, were pretty close. Really? Yeah. In addition to the people that Patrick Henry mentioned, I mean, he definitely has a lot of connections to like, elite liberals. Um, and you look at his daughter. His daughter is also, you know, Ivanka is also close friends with Chelsea Clinton. What? So, I mean, he definitely has the connections to the left. Um, I don't know if he's a puppet per se. I can definitely see the argument for that. Um, I think he is a response to the conservatives being very split after the Obama administration and him going after people that were, you know, weren't happy with just the regular business Republican who was you know, just talking about fiscal conservatism and they wanted something more. They wanted someone to fight back for them. They wanted someone who was on their side. And I think he just appealed to a lot of people. And so I'm not sure if he was a puppet or if, you know, if they didn't expect him to get elected. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Well, that, that raises actually a, a good point. As I'll, I'll just say really quick here is it's it, it, a shocking number of people who voted for Obama did vote for Trump. When he eventually got elected, um, there's a lot of accounts out there, people who uh, who switched with that, which is a pretty big leap in my opinion. But uh, Mr. Patrick Henry, uh, yeah, I think I think I just wanted to say, um, building on what Lawson said, it's really interesting that Ted Turner built up Trump. I I didn't see that, but I believe it. Um, and Ted Turner is is one of the ultimate insiders. Um, he always talks about population control, even though he has five or six kids and he is the biggest landowner in the United States. And he also in, um, I believe it was in 2009, he met with Oprah, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, David Rockefeller, George Soros, and Michael Bloomberg to discuss population control. So you can, anyone listening can, can look this up. Um, it's from NBC News. It's called Top Billionaires Hold Secret Meeting. Um, so I, I guess my point is, yeah, he had friends that um, anyone who's on the side of liberty and peace and prosperity, they don't have these same friends. Well, and uh, with all this mistrust that we have in the government 
and these billionaires and these people, these uh, powerful political uh, figures, um, it kind of leads us into our next uh, topic with this podcast and in this show, this episode is who out there can we actually trust? Are there politicians who are elected um, that are actually fighting for us that aren't insiders? Um, because um, I go back to South Park here uh, for one of their classic episodes where they talk about the entire government is involved in a conspiracy. Um, when we know that isn't the case, I mean, uh, they were joking. <laughs> Funny joke. But uh, is there anybody out there who actually can make a difference and help get this country back where it needs to be? Uh, Mr. Patrick Henry, can we start with you again? Um, I would say that you should trust no politician. You should look at their voting record and you should see if their votes um, align with the Constitution. And that should be it. Um, the, some of the people I like are Thomas Massey in the House of Reps. So I really like him. Justin Amash, I did like, but he's no longer in the House of Reps because he didn't run for re-election. He actually switched from a Republican to an independent, or actually a Libertarian. Um, and uh, Rand Paul in the Senate, who I mentioned before, I really like him. But I don't trust, I don't necessarily trust any of them. you got to look at their votes. You have to compare it to the Constitution. And I think that um, the Senate is almost entirely controlled. There's still some hope in the House of Reps, so don't, don't give up on the House of Reps. The presidency, give up on that. We're never going to get a pro-liberty uh, president in. And if he does, he'll end up like JFK. And the one thing to also focus on, besides the House of Reps, is the state level. I think a lot of good can happen at the state level. And they can nullify bad federal laws because of the Tenth Amendment. So there's a lot of hope at the state level. You bring up uh, Rand Paul, and I agreed with you up to a point for a long time on Rand Paul, because obviously the son of Ron Paul, who we've actually seen live speak in person. Um, I mean, I think one of our favorite uh, politicians, one of our favorite figures and uh, uh, totally overlooked in history. He will be overlooked in history and what he actually could have done uh, for this country, honestly. But Rand Paul in especially recent weeks here has seemed almost to be, to be like a Trump, uh, apologist, a Trump, you know, pleaser. It seems like he's kind of going in a different direction than what he has. And, uh, I'm kind of starting to like to question, I mean, some of his rants on the, uh, uh, on the floor have been, uh, a little concerning for my taste. He, he voted to uphold the electors. So he did not vote to overturn the electors for, for this past presidential election. But he's still calling for, uh, like, like it, it seems like with what he's saying, though, he's still calling for like that uh, investigation into the into the election, which, um, you know, oh, that, that, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's another whole point altogether. I absolutely think there should be an investigation into not just this election, but any of them. I mean, there's clearly voter fraud. I mean, uh, Scott, you know, if you say you're a conspiracy theorist, then you've got to believe that these elections are somehow influenced or controlled. And I think um, Dominion voting systems needs to be looked at. I don't trust it, but I, I don't, I'd also trust the evidence. If the evidence comes out that they're completely legit, um, I'll believe it. But I want to see an independent investigation. Um, actually, like uh, that's going to lead me into a question that I, I didn't have written down for this this uh, episode, but I think it's a relevant one that we should ask uh, Mr. Lawson here: is can the intelligence community? Infiltrate. I mean, was it, is this something the intelligence community can do, or is this something that an outside third party can get around them and influence? Well, I think you can see the influence on social media. You can see, um, you know, dis misinformation. Uh, so I think there's definitely, you know, examples of foreign influence that could happen. Um, but I feel overall the elections are pretty secure, just based on the fact that it's so local and it's something that they've been doing for a long time. Like these. These people have their systems pretty much down. Um, I do agree with Patrick Henry that there should be a little bit more transparency because some of these voting machines don't have a paper trail, which I think is pretty concerning. Um, but I don't really question the results of the selection too much because there were so many recounts. There were so many checks of the votes. You know, I mean, Trump had all those BS lawsuits that really went nowhere. His Supreme Court that he picked, you know, a third of the members on <laughs> didn't want to even hear the case. So I don't really think there was election fraud in to, to the degree to where it would have changed the election in this case. 
I mean, Trump argued in 2016 that there was election fraud and that millions of illegals voted against him, which is why he lost the popular vote, which is just complete nonsense. So um, I feel pretty secure about the elections, but I do agree with Patrick Henry that um, more should be done to secure the elections and more money should be spent on it to make sure that the elections are the best they can be. Um, is it not true, though, that this, like, has the CIA or intelligence communities, have they affected elections in other countries? Yeah, I mean, well, they've definitely done more than that. I mean, they've assassinated leaders of other countries, especially in South America. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on the way they've tried to manipulate um, elections in South America and bribery and assassinations. I mean, going back through the years, I mean, starting in, like, the early 60s, I would say. Um, so, yeah, they've definitely tried that in South American countries, um, African countries. Um, so, I mean, it's certainly possible. Well, that actually sounds like an interesting topic that we probably will definitely get into. But let's stick to closer to home for now. And uh, I have my opinion on uh, these uh, couple politicians that I'm going to bring up here. And I'd like to get you guys' opinion on them because they've been pretty big in the news lately. Uh, notably, Marjorie Green, the QAnon congresswoman who is elected in Georgia and uh, um, leads into a, a, just, a, I mean, obviously her claim to fame is she's a gun activist. Um, unapologetically, and uh, we have different uh, uh, opinions within us on uh, gun control. Um, I mean, I think we all agree that it is your American right, constitutional right, to own a gun. Um, and uh, I don't think many people argue that. But with Marjorie Green, is she taking it to another level that uh, um, is that many Americans are going to find concerning? Uh, Mr. Henry? You know, where, where she stands on the issues, um, I will I will have to get back, back to you on that. But as for QAnon, QAnon was an absolute uh, a total joke. It was, a, it was a psychological operation. I don't know who did it. It could have been the CIA, like we were talking about earlier. But um, it strung people along for four years, saying um, there's going to be these arrests, uh, you know, anytime someone of the elite went missing for a little bit, was quiet on Twitter, they would say, oh, they're under house arrest or they're in Guantanamo Bay. I mean, it was a joke. And, and, and they always kept saying, you won't believe what's coming. Just wait. Uh, trust the plan. Um, and nothing nothing ever materialized. Now, um, with my website, republicoftruth.com, um, I was speaking against QAnon from the beginning. It just seemed like a, uh, a load of bull. Um, so you can swear. It's okay. You can swear on this. Uh, a couple. We can have a couple swears. You can say bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it was bullshit. Um, so, uh, but yeah, where she stands on the, on the issues, I'm not exactly sure. If she's uh, pro gun, uh, I'm pro gun as well. So, I mean, maybe maybe her beliefs in QAnon won't spill out into how she legislate legislate, but we'll have to see. And she can't be any worse than the other people we have there. They're, they're, they're terrible. Mr. Lawson? I'm just tying this back to the intelligence um, earlier. I mean, QAnon pushed the theory that there's a lot of, um, you know, sex, sexual, um, say, you know, issues in the Democratic Party. Um, and so with, with the way Trump kind of and the law enforcement responded to that was they started arresting people for all these sex crimes. And I'm wondering how much that will continue during the Biden administration, or if that will kind of fall back and it's going to be more of a focus on right-wing leaders and they're going to go after more right-wing people for these different sex crimes. And so I'm interested to hear Patrick Henry's take on that. Uh, I think even under Trump, yeah, there were a lot of arrests for, sex, for uh, trafficking, which is great. But no high, I, I don't remember many high-level people. I, so Epstein got arrested, but he, um, he he got out. I think that he's still alive. That's a, that's a discussion for another show. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that, uh, but you know, and Ghislaine Maxwell is, is arrested now. Um, she was Epstein's um, Epstein's basically pimp to bring um, young girls to to Epstein, and she's arrested now. I'd really be interested to see how this ends. I don't know how that's going to end. I don't know if. Um, you know, they could fake her death and she can escape, or if they can just, 
released her based on not enough evidence or something, somehow Gisley Maxwell is going to get out of this. But that's, a, that's another tangent. <laughs> awesome. I think Biden's presidency is it's already being defined as the presidency of the executive order. He's just going to sit in his ivory tower signing executive order after executive order. He doesn't listen to him. He doesn't work with Congress at all. And um, I also think that, that there's for sure going to be a new uh, a new war under Biden. And yeah, there definitely, uh, I mean, there, there could be, um, especially um, with the close save that we had with Iran, and that's going to be interesting. That's going to be one of my things that I'm, I'm wondering about going forward in 2020 here is as COVID dies down, um, what happens with Iran? Because um, as a writer, for me, and I think that like going with a, a lot of the things, a lot of the conspiracies that we see, a lot of the cover-ups, it's written, it's almost written um, by Hollywood. And we can get into that. I see things... Um, though that are that are that happen that uh, I mean they, they come right out of like a Tom Clancy novel sometimes which is so suspicious for me and especially since Iran feels like uh, there's still a part two sequel coming to that um, but also with like Marjorie Green going back to her for a second she was the one who tried to impeach Biden on a second day she recently just said that uh, she liked a Facebook com- comment uh, calling for Nancy Pelosi to get a sh- uh, to get shot in the head a bullet in the head and this is a congresswoman saying this. We also have somebody like Lorene uh, uh, Bobart from Colorado, um, who's almost like Marjorie Green Light, um, who's also been very big. Um, but even going on top of that, too, it, this is this recent or the Oregon State uh, 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 State uh, Republican Party in the state just claimed that January 6th, uh, the riot was actually a false flag, too. Now, some of these things kind of make me wonder if. They're doing this on purpose to make it seem that anybody who believes in a conspiracy, anybody who believes um, in a cover-up or something that happens like this, immediately um, it's just kind of uh, making people think you're crazy right off the bat uh, without any evidence. Um, so do you think that the Oregon State GOP actually believes this was a false flag or uh, what's going on here? <laughs> I didn't know Oregon even had a Republicans. <laughs> yes, they do. Outside of Portland, it's uh, it's pretty mixed out there, from what I've heard. Whether it's a false flag or not, um, I think that it, I think it was a setup. So I don't think it's like your typical false flag where um, someone uh, does some some crime and frames somebody else. Um, I don't think it's your typical false flag. I think that it's um, kind of a complex one where uh, I think their goal was to get people to the Capitol. If they could do that, the rest of it was easy. Because once you get them all at the Capitol, the police just let them in. And as long as they're in there, the media can really blow it up into like, you know, this is the worst, darkest day in American history. You know, forget the, uh, forget the Civil War, forget dropping two nuclear bombs on Japan. You know, these people being in the Capitol building was the darkest day in American history. So as long as they can uh, get people in the Capitol, then they can frame it like a coup. Then they can justify um, going after conservatives. I, I saw I saw a media. I don't remember which media organization it was. It was uh, a loss of no, um, They they portrayed all the different flags at the quote-unquote coup as being extremists. So there was American flags there. There was don't tread on me flags there. Yes. There were all kinds of really good flags that I, you know, that I can support those ideas. Um, they're, they're framing them now as extremists. And they've been dying to do this for so long. They're, they were doing it under Obama, but now it's really accelerating. This is great for the deep state. Uh, to piggyback up what uh, Henry said, I was watching both CNN and Fox during the during the riots in the background as I was working, of course. And uh, the left the left wing media had the exact opposite of what they would say during all the Black Lives Matter protests. I mean, Wolf Blitzer was basically calling for the protesters to be like beaten by law enforcement. Which, if that was a Black Lives Matter protest, she would have never said anything like that. Um, I actually thought Fox News was rather consistent in the fact that they were just like, hey, this is wrong, we shouldn't loot, we shouldn't, um, you know, obviously, like, respect the police. You won't hear me compliment Fox too often on this podcast, but I thought they did a good job with that. 
Um, I do think that, you know, if there's an event like the Capitol riot that the left-wing media overblows it, um, and for something that, you know, Black Lives Matter does, the right-wing media also overblows it to appeal to their bases. Um, I kind of disagree a little bit with Patrick Henry. I do think that there are legitimate people on both sides. Um, Antifa, I think, exists, and there is, you know, true supporters of that mindset. That's a good and point. And I do think there's people on the right that also, you know, want to overthrow the government, are obsessed with Trump. And so I do think that... No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, so I think that sometimes that we need to realize that, like, these people exist... And these threats exist. It's really just a matter of how much of a threat are they and how much time and effort should we really focus on this um, by our governments, by our law enforcement? What actions should we take? What's appropriate? And as Patrick Henry talked about earlier, the Patriot Act is an example where I feel like the government went way too far in a response to a perceived threat. So we'll see what happens with Biden after this. Yeah, I just want to say, I mean, I, I agree with that. There's definitely a threat from both sides. Um, uh, I, I know someone who knows someone, <laughs> put it that way, who is, was so extremely pro-Trump, I don't know if they still are, they said they would take a bullet for him. And I know people on the other side who are, like, calling for essentially a communist government, and they don't see anything wrong with communism. So, yeah, that, that definitely exists, but I think that the CIA, the deep state, whatever you want to call it, CIA, uh, is going to use those um, as much as possible. They're going to squeeze out every last drop in order to use it to take away rights and to steamroll the Constitution, which we barely even have one anymore, but um, they're going to end it all together um, by using those very small percentage of extremists on both sides. They're going to use them to take away all of our rights. Well, that is a lot to unload in our first episode. I'm very happy with this. But with that, we are actually getting really close to being out of time for the week here. Um, I just want everybody to know in the following weeks and months, uh, we're going to cover a, a wide range of topics. Um, and we're going to build on this even more. But, you know, we even have other ones coming up, including sports um, like I said before, the CIA involvement in Hollywood and scandals that will shock you um, that we've uh, that we've found out uh, further uh, current events, conspiracies, cover ups and also topics that you choose. Listeners, please, because this podcast is not actually over. This episode is not over. We need you to send us your sound bites, uh, your clips, your tweets, your emails and Facebook messages. Uh, the ways that you can reach us are RD3 production uh, productions at Yahoo.com. Uh, you can also reach us out on Twitter at the handle at Round3Speak. You can find me, Scott Barnes, on Facebook. I have the Round3 profile right there, uh, up there. Uh, big blast in your face. You can't miss it. Um, because, uh, like we said, we need you to tell us why we are wrong, why we, are, why we could be right, what we might have missed, and your own beliefs, opinions, facts, and knowledge. Um, so we're going to actually end this episode. We're going to try to end every episode with uh, a Lawson Scoop fact of the week and we're going to bring him on now to insert his bs into our podcast and see if it's valid or not mr lawson well these fun facts are actually from mrs lawson because i was way behind this okay. then they're not bs these are actually good so in tying back to our theme of the fun times of the capital um so they have a cat they have an area in the capital they call the crypt and george washington was actually supposed to be buried there one of our greatest presidents but that would have gone against his wishes because he wanted to be buried at Mount Vernon. So, as from what I gather, the crypt is still empty. At least that's according to the fun fact. Um, and then the second capital fun fact is there are marble bathtubs in the basement of the Capitol. Because back in the 19th century, um, members of Congress would take baths in between sessions. And apparently those were like kind of built into the Capitol, and they're still there today. Those sick Freemason bastards. Yeah, you wonder what's going on in the basements of the Capitol and those bathtubs. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Lawson. Uh, we're all, or Mrs. Lawson, we should say, we're all a little bit more enlightened from this. Uh, thanks again, everybody out there. Um, uh, you, uh, you are going to make this podcast one of the best, the greatest out there. Um, and we already know that you're fantastic listeners. 
So join us again here. We're going to get back to you as soon as you all get in uh, your questions and emails and tweets, like I said before. Um, but until next time, we need to be played out by Mr. Solomon Black. And uh, take it away. There we go. Trying to find an oasis Finally paying for all the time that I've wasted I said life is a race but I was driving mistakes See the truth will shine a light on all your lies if you face it And so that's why you might hate me At a party won't play this If I tried to be basic I would finally be famous I could be crowned for a favor I could be drowning in paper I could have all the kingdoms of the world I'm bound on the saying Matthew 4-9 if you doubt what I'm saying Matthew 6-6 keep it down while I'm praying Revelation 1-9 I'm on an island come and save me Proverbs 20 21 these sell out just so hasty If music ain't about the fans then why do you make it? Put your soul in man's hands and you're proud when they take it The devil's ass a lion on the prow he gon' break it But the crowds will probably praise this world is driving me crazy I swear we're losing the American way Watch your way of life as it circles down the drain What's in the water everybody seems the same What's in the water, everybody seems the same We're losing the American way Wash away your life as it circles down the drain What's in the water, everybody seems the same What's in the water, everybody seems the same